that last company came in was the changer for me. So they were a little ed tech company and they had launched an app to the app store and they wanted to try to get acquired and really reach into the education market. And being a teacher, they loved what I had to offer and what I knew about education and curriculum. And I could talk to both teachers and parents. My contract increased something like, I think, $1,500 a month. And then eventually it was in the $2,500 a month type of range. And when my husband and I decided to move our kids back to Toronto and our family back to Toronto the following summer, I ended up increasing my hours with that ed tech company. Literally like about 20 hours a week. So at this point, I was doing social media writing and newsletter writing for you know, a handful of education companies, a handful of green beauty companies. But things are starting to shift more towards the education side of things. You are listening to the Launch Playbook Podcast, the weekly podcast for service-based business owners to discover the starts, stops, and tools of transformation that go into launching their online offers. I'm your host, Sarah Bartanian. And if you want to launch your ideas into the world faster with more success and less burnout, well, friend, consider this show your secret playbook to get you there. Welcome back, launchers, to the Launch Playbook Podcast. This episode is a little bit different. I'm not going into launch lessons here or having interview. In fact, what I am doing in this episode is giving you a bit of background into how I got to where I was today. So if you love hearing the backstory of how people took their business full time and what it took to get there, then stay tuned. You're going to love this episode. So it struck me the other day that this summer would be actually six years that I have been in business full time. So that would be six years since I left my teaching job where I had been doing sort of like a side hustling in my business and was able to take my business full time and choose to officially retire from teaching a couple of years ago. So I thought that I would walk you through where I started, the stops and businesses I had along the way until I got to where I am today as a launch copywriter. So officially my first foray into business would be in around January 2012. But I think my story actually starts a couple years before that. See, when I first became a mom in 2009, I started becoming really interested in green living. I looked at the products we were using. I was became, I know, really kind of looking into the mattresses that my son was using, like looking at organic clothing, changing the foods that we were eating, making different buying decisions, essentially. And part of that stemmed from being a new mom. Part of that was because I myself have extremely sensitive skin. And I had been realizing over the past couple of years before that, that I could no longer use products I used to be able to use. Like I would, this mousse I had been using for years in my hair, because I used to have curly hair, would actually like make me break out in a rash within like an hour or before. I would happily like dance the night away in a club all sweaty and have no rashes, no issues. But things had changed for me physically. And also because my mom had just finished her breast cancer, I guess not finished her breast cancer treatment, but was coming up to five years breast cancer free. And I was realizing that, you know, there's a lot of things in the environment and in the things that she may be using in her products that like there was connections to cancer. So all those things had me feeling worried and sensitive and open to learning more, let's say about changing my products and stepping into this like green living world. 
So that was a change I was making over time. So by the time I had my second son in November 2011, I was had decided I was going to cloth diaper him instead of using uh, conventional diapers. And so I found it to be a really big learning curve. There was only one store in Toronto, and we're a really large city, where I could go and find cloth diapers at the time. And it was like well across the city from me. We made a track down and picked some up. Other than that, it was shopping online. And there was just like a lot of information in the Facebook groups around what was the best choice, what were the best products to use, like what kind of cloth diapers to use. The prices were widely varying. And also not only was I realizing that there was a layer of deciding which cloth diapers to use, but not all cloth diapers were organic. So I was back into that sort of question around what am I putting on my baby's bottom on my skin and how did I feel about it? And so, yeah, it was just a very confusing time, which is why in... January 2012, so a few months after I had my second son, I decided that I wanted to open my own cloth diaper online business. And it was going to be heavily focused on the education aspect, but also making really curated choices. So I wasn't going to carry a lot. I was going to do my research and carry fewer products and make it a really clear pathway to help people decide if this was right for them, this product, by focusing on things like what kind of washing machine do I you have? Do you care about organic products or not? So my goal in my online cloth diaper store was to help people figure out a really clear pathway to decide if the cloth diaper they were thinking of purchasing was right for them. So I wanted them to look at a few of the key factors, which I had figured out through my research, my experience really made a difference and and helped you know whether this was the right product for you. So I want them to know like, what kind of washing machine did you have? Because that really mattered. Like, how are you going to clean them really matters. Do you care about organic or not? Do you have a caregiver or someone who's sort of not on board with doing cloth diapers with you? So then then you might want to have like an all-in-one, which is essentially like worked almost like a conventional diaper in terms of it's like all-in-one piece. You don't have to do any inserts or anything. You put on the baby and you button it up. Do you want that type of thing? What is your budget? Like how much do you have available to cloth diaper? Also, do you want a cloth diaper full time? So there were a bunch of questions like that that would help allow people to pick and choose whether certain products were right for them. And so that's what my focus was. I mainly had organic diapers. I had a few that were not, but it was more of a curated shop. So this is where I started out in my business journey was creating this online e-commerce shop. I hired someone to do the logo and the website for me. And and I did all the other research and things myself, all the copywriting, photo taking, Instagramming, writing emails to all those type of things. Early on into this business, I discovered a couple of things. One, I really liked the education piece of it, which shouldn't really be surprised because I should tell you, if you did not know this about me, I was an elementary school teacher for 10 years. And at the time of opening up the shop in 2011, I was just on maternity leave from teaching. So I had full plans of going back and this would just be like a side hustle, something that would be on the side. I had hoped maybe one day it would take me to go full time, but I didn't really know. So by the time I went back to work, in the late, I guess, fall 2012, this cloth diaper business was a side hustle for me. And at the time I discovered I liked 
educating people around choosing cloth diapers. I had been invited to give some workshops around the city into some mom and baby groups. Uh, I was blogging about cloth diapering. I had been invited to do some guest posts for some, what I considered at the time, some pretty big spaces in the mom and baby space, including being part of a magazine. I got to write an article in a magazine uh, and speaking at some pretty large events in Toronto. And I loved all that part about it. And what I didn't love, which I pretty quickly realized, was I did not love the packing of the products. I did not love the shipping, all of those things that really make an e-commerce product store a store. And I guess I could have hired out, but that was something I hadn't really thought about and I didn't at the time feel like I was making the money to, nor did I have money to really invest in it. You know, looking back now, I think that that would have made a big difference for me. But I carried on with the cloth diaper shop for about a year and a half, maybe two years, and I was making a little bit of profit, not a lot, because there's definitely an output because I had to buy the diapers and cover ship, do shipping and things like that. And when I thought about what it would take to really grow the business, I realized I wasn't very interested. But I had a lot of guilt around it because I had invested this time and this money and even like time away from my 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 little kids and my partner to grow in it. But I remember working with, I was on this business retreat and one of the coaches reminded me that all the lessons that I had learned from taking a chance on that business were well worth the time and you know, investment I had put on into it. And I probably wouldn't have learned so much so quickly if I had done a degree, let's say, in business. So that kind of helped release some of the things of guilt and worry for me. So what I decided was that I was going to slowly shut down the cloth diaper business and I was going to start a green living blog with the intent of working with people, like some brands and businesses to promote and talk about their products, but also to eventually maybe do some writing for some of those brands, some educating for them. So I started Green Mums Collective. So Green Mums Collective was my green living blog. And it was called a collective because over that time of working on my cloth diaper store, which I should tell you was called Change Mat, I had made a lot of connections and contacts with people in let's call the green living wellness space. So this collective was actually a blog written by a bunch of these people I had met. So I had some contributors who were like, we had nutritionists. I think we had a doula. We had a naturopath. There were a bunch of people who were writing articles as well as me. So we kicked that off and almost right away, we started landing some sponsorship opportunities and some media attention from some places like Dave Suzuki's Queen of Green. We got to participate into a back-to-school campaign, uh, a mattress company, organic mattress company, like reusable labels, a bunch of like seventh generation, like some sort of bigger, larger names. And that helped to cover some of the costs of running the blog. And so at the time, I will tell you that I was not compensating the contributors. I was definitely shutting them out. Their names were on it. We were promoting. But what I was doing was looking for opportunities that I could offer them like one of these sponsored posts. So if a sponsored post came our way or I was able to pitch one that was a fit for like our nutritionist or a doula or a naturopath, then I was accepting those. And then they were receiving that compensation to write those articles. So that's what I did for another couple of years. And during that time, again, I was still teaching. I was 
reaching out to a lot of companies, trying to sort of start a few of my own campaigns, maybe pitching them if they want to work together, doing a lot of asking, to be honest. And what ended up happening was that a few of the green beauty brands liked some of the pictures I was taking on social media around products and around just like my own life with my family and asked if I would be interested in taking some photos for them to use on Instagram, on their own Instagram. So I said, yeah, and this is kind of the early days of Instagram. So what would happen was a couple companies would send me a big box of their, you know, beauty products and I would uh, get some props and some different things and I would do a lot of flat lays for them and then ship back the products to them and send them over the photos. And I was doing this, I want to say, for like three to four hundred dollars. When I look back at now, the amount of time I spent on it, it seems maybe not one of the better ideas. But at the time, one, it felt really exciting and it did feel like a lot of money and somewhere we had to start. But, you know, when I were looking back now, it's just again, like the amount of time it would take me to set up things and to find the props and to buy the lighting equipment and things I needed to do it. A really great job. It probably wasn't, again, like the best, like my fees weren't probably quite right. But again, early days of, of Instagram. So I was doing that for a few companies and then a couple of them asked me to write some social captions for them because they liked the way I wrote. A couple of them asked me to write some like ghost write some blogs for them. Ghost writing just means that I write it and they put their name on it. So I did that as well and those are all paid. So that was all happening while I was teaching. While I was doing the green Green Moms Collective. At this point, I had shut down Change Mother Cloth Diaper Store. I had also got some great contracts with running some Twitter chats, which at the time were sort of big, like doing Twitter parties. If you're listening, maybe you remember participating in some of them where you could win prizes. So I was running and writing scripts for some of those for some companies, including there was a partnership with the Toronto Star and the Greenbelt Foundation Ontario, where I actually ran six Twitter chats and wrote scripts for them. We got millions and millions of like hits and views for them, which was really great impressions. And that was pretty fun. Yeah, it was a big campaign. So that was one of my larger campaigns that I had done. And that takes us up to, I want to call it spring of 2015. So this is where everything started changing for me. And it's getting close to when I went full-time in my business. So in spring of 2015, it was April. I was teaching grade two, three at the time. Again, running Green Living blog on the side. When my mom had a follow-up appointment about her cancer with her oncologist to see how things were going with her cancer. At this point, her cancer had come back three times. And the third time it had come back, it had actually eaten into her hip bone. And she'd had to have her hip replaced. So it had moved to her bones. She's in quite a bit of pain. But we were hoping that they had caught it all when they replaced her hip. So I believe it was April 15th. Yes, and actually as I'm thinking this, it was April 15th. I was at school. I knew she had an appointment. And I was really on edge. And so I called her at my lunch hour. Because I knew that they had left her and my dad left the appointment. And I said, what did they say? And she didn't want to tell me. She's like, I'll talk to you later when you get home from school. Just call me when you're done work. And I was like, I can't, I can't get through the afternoon. I need, I need you to tell me. So she told me that they had given her six months to live. So that was April 15th. And six months would be my birthday, which is October 15th. And that would have been, I guess it would have been my 38th. 37th birthday, actually. 37th birthday. So she's given six months to live. So we got off the phone. I spoke to a couple of my friends. They gave me hugs. There's lots of tears. And one of them said to me, you need to take a leave. And 
And I think I was still really shocked at the time because I was like, well, there's only a few more months left till I'm out for summer, for summer holiday, and then I'll go be with my mom. My mom and dad were no longer living in Toronto. They have this cute little housekeeping resort. They run cabins up about three hours north of the city when they retired. So my friend at school was like, no, I think you need to go sooner because you just, you just never know how things are going to be. So I wasn't sure. Like I went home that night. I talked to my husband. I called my mom and we cried and we were thinking about it. And I should say at the time that my husband and I had already, we'd already sold our house in Toronto and we had been looking for a new house that was closer to the school where I worked. The goal is to be walking distance to the school where I worked so that our boys could also attend with me and that they could walk with me to school. We wouldn't need childcare, but we hadn't really found anything yet. And so when I spoke to my husband, he said, what about moving up there for the year? Like where my parents are living to be close to your mom. So we decided like almost right away, that's what we were going to do. So I decided I was going to take a leave from school for the next two weeks at school though. I was really dragging my feet from it. I think I just knew that everything was going to change. This was a job that I really had loved. And although I wanted my business to grow to full time, it was so far from that. And I was not, I was really enjoying the side hustle of it. And just the extra money that was bringing in was great, you know, for some lovely extras around the house and like a little summer holiday and things like that. But I hadn't really saw how it would ever go full time. And then suddenly I knew that when I left teaching, things were going to be different, right? I'd never left just like that. So for about two weeks, I kind of dragged my feet in my head. I was like finishing teaching some science unit. I was wrapping up some math stuff, but I was starting to think about taking leave until one lunch hour, you know, my same friend came in and said, Sarah, like it's been two weeks. What are you, what are you still doing here? What are you waiting for? And I realized that they were right. So I actually went downstairs and spoke, you know, I was upstairs in the school and went downstairs and spoke to my principal and said, I need, I need to take a leave and I need it to be soon. So I actually ended up leaving on that Friday and for the weekend and not going back to teaching. And the principal had asked if they could just break it to the the class, which looking back, I wish that I had done it because I didn't feel great. I was so close to my class and the families, but that was the wish of my principal. So I took the leave and we went up north. We took our family out of school. My husband also took a leave and he was also working for the school board at the time. And we stayed in one of the cottages in my parents' housekeeping resort, like a one bedroom. So the boys were on like a pillow futon and we were in... One of, on one of the beds and where we looked for a place to live for the year. So we, we did find a place we needed some renovation. We started working on that. And the place we found was this log cabin that used to be, I guess the lodge of a resort back in, let's say the fifties. There was like kind of shaggy green carpet in it, a kitchen that was older than like the one in my grandmother's house that had been built in like the forties. There was lots to do in it. And it wasn't really the style of house that I would ever choose, but it was under three minutes away from my mom. And that's what I cared about. So we ended up buying it and decided to do some renovations. And during this time, we went a little bit back and forth to the city. So my one son who was older could be in his SK class some of the time. And then we'd go back on weekends. We kind of go back and forth. Sometimes I spend a week with my mom, my husband be in the city with the kids and things like that happened until school officially ended in the end of June. And that's when we moved out of Toronto full-time. And the log cabin we had bought was not ready. That's a whole other story about contractor issues, which I'm not going to get into here. But 
we end up again still living with my parents, one of my parents' cabins when we were up there. And we put both the boys in, one went to like a, a daycare, one went to summer camp so that they could have something fun to do. And it wasn't all about spending a summer around their Nana, who they were really close to, who was dying. It allowed me to have space with my mom, allowed the boys to still have fun, but then to be around my mom, you know, in the evenings, in the family evenings. My brother and my sister were still in the city. They were coming up on weekends to be there. And my husband was sort of dealing with the renovation, helping my dad and also helping my mom. He was always really great at my husband is the cook in our family, so he's always making her things like scones. This seemed like to be like one of the only things she wanted to eat, <laughs> macaroni or hot dogs, actually, which is what my mom, all she could seem to stomach during those final few months. So well, my mom slept a lot because of some pain. So when she was sleeping, I would work on my blog. And I decided that I would do a campaign in the fall, which was all around one back to school, like a safer back to school. And then one around like during October, which is generally breast cancer month, I would do a green beauty campaign, really trying to raise awareness around changing the products they're using. So I spent the summer when mom was sleeping, sending out pitches to companies. And that was where I was focusing on. I also had a few pitches come to me and a couple of these things are what started really changing things for my business. So Again, I didn't spend a lot of time that summer working just when my mom was sleeping. I'd send these pictures out. So sort of just making some moves, really focusing on what I could do. And so during that time, I connected, like I said, with a couple businesses who were interested in me working with them. So they all had said yes to different campaigns or the other. One of them asked if I would be willing to do their social media for them come the fall, which I said yes Another one of them asked if I do their social media for them and some newsletters for them once a month, starting in September. I said yes. And then another campaign, as an influencer campaign, asked me about working for them for social media, potentially down the road. And we said we'd talk about it because I didn't want to take on too much. Well, that was in mid-July-ish. And my mom took a turn for the worst. And I would say um, a turn to the end because by July 31st, I have this message still on my text. She sent me a text. We'd gone down to the city for a night to pick up some things and to see my husband's family. And she said, um, I love you always. Um, Andy and those little boys too. And my dad texted and said, Sarah, I think you should come back. So we packed up and went back up. And my mom and I said, I love you. And <laughs> she asked me to rub her. She asked for some macaroni. My husband made her some macaroni. She had a few bites. She said, love you a few more times. And that was the last time I heard my mom speak. And she passed away on August 7th, which also happens to be my son's birthday. After that, here we were in this small town. Our log home was finally ready to move into. And my mom had passed away. So we moved in. And the boys were starting school full-time, both of them, in a couple weeks. And so that's when my business became full-time because the boys were going to school. My mom had passed and there was really nothing to do except for grieve, which I did plenty of and I had lots of space to do. But I also had time to focus on my business for the first time ever. So I started working with those couple companies who had wanted to work in the fall. And the one company who had asked if I would talk with them on social media, we had a phone call. And so at this point I had a contract for two $500 contracts and an $800 contract. And then this other company came in also another $500 contract a month. But that sec that last company came in was the changer for me. So they were a little ed tech company and they were, they had launched an app to the app store and they wanted to try to get acquired 
and really reach into the education market. And being a teacher, they loved what I had to offer and what I knew about education and curriculum. And I could talk to both teachers and parents. So I ended up working with them, came to the city to meet them a couple times. And over time with them, my contract increased something like, I think, $1,500 a month. And then eventually it was in the $2,500 a month type of range. And when my husband and I decided to move our kids back to Toronto and our family back to Toronto the following summer, I ended up increasing my hours with that at tech company. So that they were still freelance, but it was like, let's say equal to like about 20 hours a week. And then my other contracts had kind of been growing and sort of word of mouth had happened. So at this point I was doing social media writing and newsletter writing for, you know, a handful of education companies, a handful of green beauty companies, but things were starting to shift more towards the education side of things. Well, that ed tech company that I was working with ended up getting acquired by Scholastic Inc., which is a pretty big deal. And I came on board as their digital marketing manager, which meant that I was writing all of their sales emails. I was writing web copy. I was writing social media captions and sharing them. I was ghostwriting articles on behalf of some of our authors, writing and sales, um, basically writing uh, webinars and presentations to give to the sales team, delivering those presentations, doing some traveling around the US. It was pretty cool. And as well, I had some other clients. This was in, let's just say fast forwarding to around 2018. I actually still didn't have a website for what I was doing until I worked with a coach. And I give a shout out here to Leanne Kim. And she was my business coach at the time. And she was like, Sarah, you got to get a website up there. When you talk about raising your prices, you're getting everyone's like almost everyone you talk to says yes to what you're doing. And let's start, you know, developing attraction to bring people into you. So that's what I did. We put up a website and that's where I put up my lead magnet, which you've heard me talk about the unscalable lead magnet method. I won't get into that one, but if you're interested in that, it's pretty cool. And it directly led to me making around 75,000 plus in business. So that's an episode I definitely think you should go back and listen to. So at the time, like I was working for Scholastic. I had finally launched my website. Uh, I started working with more and more business owners. I had joined some entrepreneurial groups in Toronto to, to connect with business owners. And this is where my unscalable lead magnet method started bringing me other clients in. So these other clients, I was seeing their social media strategy, their social media copywriting, running their newsletters for them. And a bunch of them at this time were one to working one-to-one with their clients but decided to package up what they did with their clients one-to-one and to launch some group offers. So this was really my foray into launching for service-based businesses. I had done some of that launching for that ed tech company. Well, quite a bit of launching because we actually launched their whole department and many products, but this was really into the service provider side of things. So with those clients, I was running their sales pages, uh, their open card sales sequences, their webinar show up sequences, uh, I'd say advising, giving feedback on the webinar, all the social media promotion. And I loved it. I loved the feeling of putting together this beautiful funnel, this beautiful way of bringing people into their offer. I loved the the idea that we were going to help so many of them at once. Uh, I had seen the testimonials from these clients. I knew that what they were doing was like life-changing and so supportive and helpful. I knew that their heart was so into what they were doing. And also I loved for my clients that we were creating an opportunity for them to actually have more time back with their family. Because like me, a lot of them had had reasons why they needed to spend less one-to-one time and needed more time with the family, be it they had some like maybe some parent stuff going on, some things with their kids or some things with their own health. And I thought it was so amazing. And I loved what I was doing. 
So quite quickly, the new clients I started taking on, I would look and seek for people who were actively thinking about launching a course or program. So this takes us to around 2018. I hadn't gone back to teaching. We come back to Toronto. I had kept taking leave and they were generously granting them to me so I didn't have to make a full decision. At that time, I decided with Scholastic that I would, I asked if I could instead work with them on a freelance basis and not as this part-time basis anymore because my business is growing and they were wanting a little more travel for me than I wanted to give them. So we entered into a great retainer contract for a while around me still doing what the work I was doing, but just on a freelance basis as opposed to a part-time employee basis. That continued for about another year until at that point I decided to just move forward with my own clients because still having that long-term retainer contract, you know, up to like three days a week of work was really stopping me from being able to grow. At that point, all of my clients there were retainers. So it was beautiful to have that retainer process for, you know, helping people execute multiple copy goals and launch goals and uh, projects over the year. However, it was also, I found sometimes veering onto the line and you may have experience of being a conduit if you've worked with people on a retainer basis where you almost feel like you're you're not an employee but you've been with them for so long that it can kind of feel like that and things started really moving out of the scope i want to say like there's some scope creep happening some things like that were happening and i wanted to change the way i worked i no longer wanted to do any social media um posting for them or captions unless it had to do directly with their own launch copy. And so at that point in September 2019, I decided to let go of a bunch of my retainer clients, which is a pretty scary move to make. So September 19, and I'd also decided to officially quit teaching at the same time. And I said that this would be the fall where I really just announced myself as a launch copywriter and really fully step into the role and the work that I wanted to do. So that's what I did. I did this shortly after an event that Tarzan Kay and Sage Boleros had held. And I want to give a big shout out here to uh, Shanti Zach because I remember speaking to her and I was like, and I really loved the quiz work she did. And I had written some quizzes for a couple clients. And she said to me, what do you do? And I said, well, I want to call myself a copywriter, but right now this is what I am. You know, I guess I'm a writer or, you know, or a content writer. And she's like, if you're a copywriter, I told her I did claim that title. And I did. I started calling myself a copywriter right after that. So I just want to give her that shout out because hearing that from someone I so admired helped me feel confident to really step in and claim that role for myself. So... I will say that that fall <laughs> was a little tough in terms of my finances, having let go of the retainer clients. Moving into December, I just had a couple things kind of come up in terms of like some short little projects for writing some sequences, but nothing major. And so what I did was I sent out an email, a BOGO email actually, which was like a buy one, get one half to my list, offering them some copy half days with me in January, February, or March at this special rate because I needed to fill up my calendar because again, things had changed. And so I actually was able to, I think welcome about five people that way and had a few other people happily reach out to me in January for their launch copy. And then things really just took off from there. So I was really quickly able to scale back up to the six figure plus that I had been making with my retainer work. I will say that that's when the pandemic hit and I am grateful and lucky that a lot of my clients, like things 
did not change or they grew for me during that time because of the kind of clients I was working with, service-based business owners who wanted to launch courses or who are launching courses. So that steadily increased. I helped people launch Summit. We launched a bunch of courses, put some welcome sequences to effect, lots of writing happening. And in 2020, I was able to look back at my business and realize I'd hit almost, you know, coming up to multiple six figures on a fairly tight expense budget, like not with Facebook ads and things like that. And then here we are in 2021 and I am still doing what I'm doing, launch copywriting. This will be, I guess, my going into my second full year of doing it full time. But again, as you know, listen to the story. I've been full time in my business since 2015 when my mom passed and we had taken that time to live at that log cabin. Again, not making it a lot, but I never went back to teaching from there. And I will say that although I wish, of course, that my mom was still here and that that time had never happened, I, I do feel like it's a gift from that experience that I had the gift of time, time to grieve the log cabin, time to spend time with my kids, to be outside by a lake in nature where things feel really healing for me, spend time with my partner, and also the opportunity to take my business full time and to really expand and grow into this writing that I wanted to do for other people in this launching field I want to do and, this, and realize I could make money from writing that I'm not sure would have happened for me if I had stayed in the city. So I always think it's like a gift from my mom that what happened, I was able to expand into my business. And so that is the story of how I got to where I am today. I'm sure there's other little stories along the way that I'll fill you in other times, but thanks for sticking with me and hearing this really intimate look of the past 10 plus years of my life, almost six years of full-time in business. If you have any questions about it and you're on your way to, feel free to send me a DM through Instagram. I love chatting with listeners and until next time, happy launching. Thanks for tuning into the Launch Playbook Podcast. If you want to get weekly launch secrets in your ears, I hope you'll hit subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Because who knows, it could reveal just a thing you've been looking for to make your next launch a success. And be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes telling me how this episode inspired your launch plans. Until next time, keep putting your big ideas out into the world. I'm rooting for you.